Hey everyone, you can listen to all seasons of As She Rises, including the new season three, ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hey everybody, it's Grace. I want to tell you about another podcast that's full of stories that will make you stop, slow down, and reflect. It's called Talk Easy, and it's a different kind of weekly interview show. Every Sunday, Sam Fragoso offers a space for guests to take a pause, share how they arrived at the place they are today, and express their dreams of where they hope to go tomorrow. Rigorously researched, Talk Easy invites actors, writers, activists, and musicians to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard them do before. Some of my favorite interviews include talks with Margaret Atwood, Malcolm Gladwell, Janelle Monet, and my personal favorite, Hassan Minaj. If that sounds eclectic, it's because it is. It's driven by inquisitiveness about who these people are and who we become. Talk Easy is a place where people sound like people. So sit back, take a beat, and enjoy Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Sa Nafanua. This is dedicated to my sisters. Sa Nafanua. High stepping in pink. Patent leather boots, arms linked, we march together in raggedy-ass lines, holes in our sequin stockings, crooked at the seams, under rainbow-colored tights and feather cloaks. This band of warriors, your frisky daughters, my dear, at your service. Our weapons slung across shoulder and hip, Paintbrush and camera, laptop and law book, your freckled daughters, after jets burning away illusion, attachment, clearing the channel for the birth of ourselves and each other, your gypsy daughters. We move down to the sea, our brothers carry the boat, bringing coconut, breadfruit, taro and papaya to plant the new land. Babies chortle at the breast. The bigger ones chasing sand crabs back into their holes. Our sons hoist the sails and festoon us with maile garlands, pua and avapuhi. Flower-scented aura of our people. Protect us, mother. We follow your ocean path to the world above the dark cave. Guide us, mother. The sea serpent lurks beneath waves. Monster ego, demons gnaw on the rigging. Steady us, mother. Your eye lights the way. Your heart moves our blood. Your hand steers our boat and plants us like seeds in the new land. Sing for us, Tina. These Samoan islands are far, far out in the waters of the South Pacific. 
Their thick, prehistoric jungles and rocky cliffs are home to hundreds of different kinds of flowers and plants. Many plants and birds are endemic to these islands. Birds like the Samoan flying fox and fruit-eating pigeons. It's a place where freshwater and land meet in rich marshes, mangrove roots tangle on the coasts, and coral reefs are connected to every facet of life on the islands. The Samoan islands, like many tropical islands in the world, are currently facing the brunt of climate change. And yet, a growing movement of resiliency is taking hold not just amongst the people, but in the landscape as well. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Grace Lynch, and this is As She Rises. For our second season, we're telling the stories of climate progress that give us the hope we need to keep going. Throughout this series, we hear from poets making sense of a changing world around them. Sometimes they're exploring the root of that change. Often, they're looking towards the future. Our poet today looks far into the past. She has spent most of her life teaching literature and writing in Hawaii and is now retired in Samoa. I'm Caroline Sinavayana Gabbard. I live in the independent state of Samoa, where my parents and three grandparents were born and are buried. My Samoan name, Sinavayana, comes from my grandmother's village in the big island, our big island of Savai. The poem you heard at the top of the show is called Sa Nafanua. This season, we're excited to collaborate with The Slowdown, hosted by Ada Limon, from American Public Media and in partnership with the Poetry Foundation. The Slowdown delivers a different way to see the world through poetry. The poets you hear this season will be featured on The Slowdown during Earth Week. I encourage you to listen to The Slowdown to hear more by Caroline. Caroline's work focuses on Samoan legends and mythology. She describes it as cultural transition, a sort of bridging of ancient wisdom with the now. The poem is named after Nafanua, the Samoan goddess of war. She would be kind of the Ulysses in Greek literature. The Odyssey, that would be Nafanua. A few hundred years ago, she comes from the underworld because she can hear the cries of her people in the world above. So she gets these instructions from her father, who's the god of the underworld, about what to do, and he gives her these magical weapons and a boat that she paddles. Nafanua was given a set of magical weapons and tools to take with her. She used the paddle and the boat to travel up from the underworld. The paddle, the name of her paddle is Fa'auli Ulito, which means do not let yourself become overcome with anger. And then when she is in the upper world, it appears to her enemies that they are fighting a single warrior. Also male, of course, because she's disguised herself, so they don't know that she's a female. And so they can't figure out, how could she be mowing down these countless enemies? What they don't know is that her army is made of all of her ancestors and spiritual protectors who have taken the form of cicadas and dragonflies. So the enemy cannot recognize this huge host that they're actually fighting against. 
it's not about not having fear. That would be delusional. It's about facing the fear and moving toward it and through it. And another important point in this, it's not us and them. This is a trap. You know, us and them, black and white, good and bad, heaven and hell, those are traps that are intrinsically imbued with violence. And they're so also lacking in imagination and accuracy, really. It's like a straitjacket on the multiplicity of experience. Mythology, much like poetry, can help us make sense of the indescribable. Caroline grew up in the Samoan diaspora in the American South. And for her, discovering Nafanua helped her forge an identity with her homeland that she'd long been missing. Personally, for me, she was so important in my life, uh, having grown up in the diaspora in the States, because I didn't have my only role models. It was like Miss America. And as soon as I met Nafanua, I thought, oh, my God, this is who I've been waiting for my whole life. The Samoan islands are divided into two countries. The two main western islands are Upalu and Savai'i. They make up the sovereign nation of Samoa, or independent Samoa. They want independence from British colonial rule in 1962. Then there are the islands of American Samoa, which lie nearly 40 miles to the east of independent Samoa. Like Puerto Rico, American Samoa is an unincorporated U.S. territory. America colonized these islands starting back in 1899. Despite this division, the native people of all the Samoan islands speak the same language and are descendants of the same Polynesian people who lived on these islands for thousands of years before Europeans arrived. Presently, the islands are also united by another existential threat that doesn't recognize borders. Climate change. Sea levels are rising each year. On average, levels have risen about 8 inches over the last 140 years. But three of those inches occurred in just the last 25 years. Scientists project the oceans will swell up to a meter by the end of the century. In Samoa, the threat of sea level rise is multifaceted. As ocean waters flood the land, shorelines erode. This puts coastal homes in a really precarious place. Plus, as saltwater creeps into the landscape, the soil turns salty, which kills plant life and makes it hard to grow food. And to make matters worse, ocean acidification, caused by increasing CO2 in the atmosphere and rising water temperatures, are stripping away one of the island's most important ecological defenses, coral. Seeing massive coral reefs just wiped out, it's just devastating for a community because If there are no corals, there are no fish. And if there are no corals, there's no protection. A coastal community is now vulnerable to a strong wave energy. So it's so tied to our culture that you see um, like fish on, on our motifs that are used in tattooing. It's so, so tied to our culture that there are songs about it. We even have a word for coral reefs because we knew of coral reefs before we knew that it was such a huge part of ecosystem. That's Motu Saga Vayoso. She goes by Motu, which she delighted in telling me means island. She grew up in American Samoa and now studies corals with the Coral Reef Advisory Group of American Samoa. It's worth taking a moment to appreciate just how marvelous coral reefs are. 
They're among the most diverse underwater ecosystems imaginable. While coral can appear rigid and static in nature, they're actually animals, and they grow really slowly over time. In effect, they're not all that dissimilar to trees and create a sort of underwater rainforest. Their canopies provide shelter and habitat for all kinds of sea life. Smaller fish nest in their cover, which attracts larger prey. The waters around American Samoa are home to some of the world's largest corals, including one affectionately named Big Mama. Motu has had the unique opportunity to see some of these ancient corals up close. And when I dove in there, it was just incredible to see these massive corals, bigger than a house. It's just like your whole vision is covered with coral. You, you, I'm just like, you're looking down and you're like, you feel so insignificant and you marvel because these corals take time to grow. It takes them years to grow. And they estimated that these corals are about 400 to 600 years old. Now, can you imagine how incredible that is? These corals are so massive. There are so many fish around. They're kind of like a homing area for fish to gather around. They provide shelter for for small fish and it attracts the bigger ones. So it was incredible seeing that for myself. And I was speechless when I got there. I was just sitting there. I was just like, wow, I'm one of the few people that gets to see this. Unfortunately, healthy corals are becoming increasingly rare. According to the Global Coral Reef Monitoring Network, the world lost 14% of its coral reefs in less than a decade. They now cover less than 1% of the Earth's surface. Yet, it's estimated that corals support more than a quarter of all marine life, which makes these reefs incredibly precious. When the water temperature rises, corals go through a process called bleaching, wherein they expel the algae in their tissue. The algae, however, makes up the majority of the coral's source of nutrients. So if the corals are unable to return to their proper temperature, they will eventually expel so much algae that they die off. Dying reefs means a lack of habitat for fish, which in turn means a lack of catch for fishermen. Coral reefs also play a structural role in preserving island nations. They serve as a sort of naturally occurring seawall. When storm waves surge near the shorelines, they help slow down the waves, which minimizes how much they erode at the shoreline. So when coral growth slows or stops altogether, it leaves vulnerable coastlines even more exposed. Off the coast of American Samoa's main island, Tutuila, there's one coral reef that spans nearly 800 feet. It has suffered from years of poor waste management and pollution from a nearby village, Aua. But Motu is trying to change that. She's working with the community in Aua village to rehabilitate the reef. Aua village is the village that we have selected because right now they're transitioning over to sewer line. That gives good water quality for the corals to survive. We cannot put down restoration if we haven't fixed the problem. And then there's been so much work done by local agency here, such as the American Samoa Environmental Protection Agency, to improve the water quality within the harbor because we have a cannery here. 
And so they've been cracking down on the canneries to fix their waste management issues. And then one of the most important thing is community is now on board. We have strong leadership coming from Awa. We have a village mayor, a strong village council that's already for this project. And that's why we're here with Awa. If we didn't have that community buy-in, we wouldn't be in Awa. So we are trying to bring in the younger youth. We're trying to bring in, identify people that live there who can be champions, people that live here who can help with this core restoration project to like oversee it. And we just want to create an opportunity, like not only just to like put out corals, but to create an education opportunity so that we can bring people in the water to learn about coral reef restoration and why this project is very important to their community. A huge factor in getting community buy-in from the village is a result of changing the messenger. For most of Motu's life, the scientific community excluded native Samoans from marine science on the island. Now, when Motu goes into these villages, she has more tools at her disposal, like a common language and a shared connection to the land. Anytime they see us, especially me and a few of the the Samoans, and we stand up in front of uh, local communities and talk to them about climate change, it's always surprising and it's always great to see them because when it comes to us we have the language and it's easy for us to try and explain the science even like finding the right someone words to explain climate change has been a challenge because we we never thought about climate change before but now it's a reality and whenever we come to the communities they're very grateful to see us stand up there and talk to them about science. They're not overwhelmed. They ask us, hey, how do we get our young Samoans here to be interested in what you're doing? How did you get over there? And whenever they say, oh, you're a marine scientist? They're just surprised by that. They're just like, wow, you're amazing. How do you do that? One of the the fun things that I like to share is my journey as being a scuba diver because it's such a foreign concept to see Samoans do that, but also most important for young Samoan women. They always think, oh, man, in the ocean, that's them. They're always fishermen. But when they find out that we're the ones doing it, they're just like, how? Are you not scared? Are you not afraid? I'm like, no. When you get in the water, when you do this, when you're submerged underwater, you'll see why we love doing this job. And you'll see why your daughter can also do the same thing, while your sons can do the same thing. The communities here are small, but if everyone comes together, we can we can do a lot here. You cannot do this by yourself. You need that community buy-in. You want this project to continue to live on without you there, because they're the ones who live there. That's their front yard. It's true that the harshest effects of climate change are indeed in the front yards of Samoans. Islands like American Samoa are typically trotted out during Earth Month as a demonstration of people who are losing their land, losing their homes. But much like their ancestor Nafanua, 
a spiritual warrior who rose up to defend her people, Samoans aren't giving up. In the Samoan Islands, there is a growing movement of climate warriors. As Caroline described in the story of Nafanua, this movement is about moving through fear. The climate warrior message is very simple. We are not drowning, we are fighting. And it is this message of resiliency that Motu returns to in the face of doubt. What options do we have? Sometimes this problem of climate change can feel so overwhelming. It's so big. How can a small island like us, what can we do? This is not our fault. And it's hard to give hope sometimes because people are just like, well, we didn't do this. Why is this now our problem? But then we try to tell them, like, there are still some things that we can do. We can still give our coral reefs the best opportunity to survive. We can create resilient communities. We can prepare ourselves. We can protect what we have left. We cannot just give up on this land that we live on. Our culture is tied to these lands. We're born here and we want to be buried in our ancestral lands. That's what keeps us fighting. It just so happens that the resiliency of the Samoan people is reflected in their ancient friend, the corals. I want to tell you about another coral reef in American Samoa, a reef that has garnered the attention of the world's marine scientists. Located 60 miles east of the mainland of Tutuila are the Manua Islands. The Manua Islands are remote, and nestled among them is the Ofu Pools. The Ofu Pools are home to a coral reef that is shown to be oddly resilient. Remember when I mentioned coral bleaching earlier? Well, that process takes place when corals are exposed to water even one degree Celsius warmer for a week. The corals in the Ofu Pools are regularly experiencing fluctuations of up to six degrees Celsius on any given day. And yet, the reef is thriving. As the rest of the world's coral reefs struggle, the scientific community is seeing the Ofu Pools as potentially the key to coral resiliency in the South Pacific. But how is this possible? How did these corals adapt? Well, it remains a bit of a mystery. And this resilient coral reef happens to have another elegant tie to Samoan culture. Here's Caroline again. In our origin story, the Samoan origin story, the three islands in Manua, the islands that are in eastern Samoa, are considered where the the owl, the divine, that's our genesis. The Garden of Eden, so to speak, our Garden of Eden is in eastern Samoa, the Manua Islands. That's right. The Manua Islands, the same collection of islands with this mysteriously resilient coral reef, is the site of the Garden of Eden in Samoan mythology. I have a hard time believing that's an accident. Now, I can't explain it either, but I think that's the beauty of it. Throughout history, cultures have tried to explain the unexplainable parts of nature through mythology, folklore, even poetry. Something Caroline said in our conversation is that she considers mythology to be the first science— because it was the way we initially tried to make sense of the world. I love thinking that after all this time, perhaps this myth describes what's happening in this reef in the middle of the ocean better than science can. 
These reefs have been with us, protecting us, providing for us, for hundreds of years. In a moment where the planet feels so vulnerable to a changing climate, it's comforting to know that even some of these ancient ecosystems are adapting and holding strong. That doesn't mean they can hold on forever. Motu's work monitoring the corals and collaborating with local communities is both a bright light and incredibly vital. And when our collective future starts to feel precarious, I think the climate warrior attitude is important to remember. If we only look to these islands as evidence of devastation, then we risk missing so much of what their people and their landscape has to teach us. If we're willing to listen and follow the lead of those with the most at stake, maybe we can make some progress. All season, we're celebrating and acknowledging the incredible work it takes to move one step forward in protecting our planet and the people on it. To read more of Caroline's poetry, look for her anthology, Alchemies of Distance. You can follow along with Motu's work through the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's website. Keep up with the state of Samoa's coral reefs at americansamoa.noaa.gov. As She Rises is a Wonder Media Network production. It's created by myself, Grace Lynch. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. Emily Rudder is our managing producer. The show is produced by myself, Lindsay Cradwell, and Liz Smith, with research and writing by Carmen Borcacarillo and Ale Tejeda, with original music by Andrea Kristen's daughter and editorial support by Aya Lane. Until next time. Hey everybody, it's Grace. In making As She Rises, I knew it was critical to center indigenous voices and women of color. These are the people at the forefront of the fight against climate change, but are often left out of the conversation. This is true not just in the environmentalist movement, but also in outdoor sports and recreation as well. Do you ever wonder why the outdoors is so white or think that activities like camping or hiking are just not for you? Then you might enjoy The Trail Ahead, hosted by Faith E. Briggs and Addie Thompson. Listen in to join conversations at the intersection of race, environment, history, culture, and the outdoors. On the podcast, they speak to folks from all walks of life, from activists, artists, and athletes, to climate scientists, organizers, professors, and outdoor industry leaders. They discuss representation and access in the outdoors and environmental movements. This interracial dialogue is aimed at having tough conversations with the ultimate goal of diversifying the outdoors and welcoming people from all backgrounds into outdoor spaces and communities. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. You can listen to every episode of As She Rises, including those from the newest season, ad-free with Wondery Plus. Find Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.